there's just so much uncertainty. When something like that hits, you just, you lack of control. Everything kind of spins out and you just, transitioning from 18 to 22, 21, going to college, young boy, dirtbag, camping a lot. Uh, you just realize like, oh man, I really don't have control over so many aspects of life. But man, it was just one, one fear concerned brought by an application that led into another. I mean, it was like, how am I gonna do this? Who's gonna play it? Do I use a professional? Do I use an amateur? Then we go to the studio. I'd be so scared. Time, money, energy, and then it wouldn't work or it would go. And then it's like, well, great, let me use the pro, but there wasn't heart in it, or I didn't think there was heart in it, and I see things different now. From Gianni Media, it's Fear is a Liar, a show about rising and established professionals and entrepreneurs. All the fears they face related to risk, self-doubt, failure, unknowns, and much more. We take a deep dive into what didn't work and how they dealt with it. I'm Ronnie Gianni, and on today's show, Michael Wagner shares how he built his career in music during personal setbacks and loss. Art is not made in a vacuum, and good art does not come from people who are comfortable. Spending a great deal of time, money, and energy with so many unknowns are just some of the struggles artists face when presenting their music to the world. Producing an album and creating a recording studio requires a person at the helm to step into many roles. Michael Wagner always knew that he wanted to be a musician. He was encouraged and inspired by his family and his high school education at Waldorf focused on the arts. In the uncertain time surrounding the transition to adulthood, he discovered his mother's breast cancer diagnosis and knew unequivocally that music was the path for him to pursue. In this episode, we'll talk through some of his experiences during this transformative time in his life. From helping sail a schooner between Puerto Rico and Trinidad and Tobago, to losing his mother and how he used these moments as a catalyst to become an artist, musician, and producer he is today. So I grew up south of Austin, uh, out in the hill country, out in Dripping Springs, kind of Austin Dripping Springs. It was right on the cusp. I was in an Austin uh, area code. And I've been in Austin most of my life, left for about five years, traveled as much as I could, saw as much of the world, uh, and decided I really love Austin and my family's here. So I was a Waldorf kid and I went to a private school called Waldorf, uh, which focuses on the, the arts and crafts and creativity. So I think that helped a lot, kind gotcha. of people, people around me. You have the Walt Whitman poem on your guitar strap. Could you tell me a little bit of the significance behind that? Yeah, absolutely. I studied poetry in college, so I love language. I love language from all cultures. I think it's fantastic. And I guess it's the foundation of understanding. If we can't put a word around it, we kind of don't have a concept. So for me, it's kind of like the song. You know, you, you need a lot of pieces, but if you don't have a song, you don't really have anything. So Walt Whitman was one of the first poets that I really fell in love with. Uh, in college, I fell in love with John Donne, Allen Ginsberg, Walt Whitman. But there was a Walt Whitman poem that I loved called To the Learned Astronomer. And it basically says that I love the numbers and the figures. I'll listen to the professor. But at the end of the day, I walk out and look up at the stars and everything has magic to it. 
At the age of 18, before we get into a situation that made had a major, major impact on your life, could you tell me where you were, where you were working, where you were in school, kind of what your position was in life at that time before we get into what kind of commenced it? I guess I was a little bit of a dirtbag. I was camping outdoors. Uh, I took a, a course called Outward Bound. I was in college. I became a real loner. I was a I was football captain in high school. Uh, I guess I was popular. I, I did that. I kind of very social. And then college came and I learned about my mom's cancer. Uh, and I, I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back, it's really obvious that I went very internal and I disconnected from, oh my gosh, maybe, maybe at times I think I disconnected too much. I left most of my friend groups. Um, I went on that trip called Outward Bound. So we sailed a schooner from Puerto Rico to Trinidad and Tobago and back, which was a 131 scoot, uh, foot schooner. It's like what you would see in like like an old movie, carrying spices across the sea, like for real. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. so you're in college. Where are you, where are you sending? I was at Texas State University. Texas State University. Yep. And then you find out your mother has breast cancer. Yep. You're, you're 18. Yep. And you you ran. Seems like you what you found. This I guess program. I did. Yeah, you ran. I guess I did. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, I went and, and my mom was like, don't, you know, don't, don't let this stop you. And I guess in my mind, I said, I'm not, you know, and I, I got out of Dodge for, I guess it was three months. Three months. You Maybe just longer, left. actually, yeah. So tell me about what was going through your mind and, and about that crazy journey you embarked on. It's funny, through all of the things in my life, it's not like I haven't talked about this, but in this moment, in this situation, I feel a, a different level of clarity that maybe I haven't felt on it, even though I've written things and talked with people and everything else. I think everything impacted me so much that getting some distance from it, I remember walking up to the house and like I could hear like the rosebuds like open up. I remember seeing in perfect color, vivid. And you don't think about it back then. I, even until now, I didn't think about how much it impacted me. But really, I packed up. I went away. I found space. I got my head kind of back on level. And I guess in, in the back of my mind, I didn't think anything would happen that fast. I figured I had three months. Uh, so I took it. So, uh, so, so what kinds of fears, doubts, anxieties were going through your mind, which we'll get to, and that ended up being the ultimate catalyst to you becoming an artist and an entrepreneur. Sure. But what were they that, sure. that, that kind of were going through your mind at the time? Sure. I, I think the biggest for me is just so much uncertainty. When something like that hits, you just, you lack of control. Everything kind of spins out and you just transitioning from 18 to 22, 21, going to college, young mm -hmm. boy, dirtbag, camping a lot. You just realize like, oh man, I really don't have control over so many aspects of life. So that's just a huge fear, a fear of thinking, I don't, I can't steer this ship, which is funny, maybe why I ended up on a ship <laughs> that I could literally- 130 foot. 130 foot schooner. I don't know if I would call it a ship, but yeah. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure, yeah, a schooner, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. that I could literally feel like I was steering in a direction wow. maybe. So, so tell me a little bit about the craziness of that, that journey on that. Yeah. Piece of wood that the you were on. Piece of floating wood with, <laughs> uh, with 31 other people. It was amazing. I had like very lucid, lucid dreams. One of the only times in my life I had like lucid waking state dreams. Where I felt like I was awake more in the dream than the other. I wrote a poem about it while I was on the ship and it was about losing my mom uh, and that process before it had happened and all the fallout. And it's funny how much it's, it's, it's a little scary how much of it all manifested and came true. Chicken and the egg theory, who knows? I uh, I, I was really level-headed. It gave me space and time. I was under the stars. There was no technology. Uh, I was able to think extremely clearly. Um, and I was able to process, I guess, a lot of the fear and insecurity around losing probably the, you know, one of the, if not the biggest uh, 
uh, you know, force in my lives and directors. And my mom was an entrepreneur. My father was an entrepreneur. Both of them built their own business and crafted it and worked those. And so I was around that my whole life. And so here I was saying like, oh man, you know, if I start my own business, it's all going to be on you. Can I really control? What can you do? Yeah. Uh, I think the revelation is, yeah, as much as you best can, but we'll get there later. Um, so yeah, I was, I was, I was very unsure about so many things. I did know that I absolutely was born to do life in music Hmm. and that was going to happen. And that has been around since I was a kid. It kind of went away when I was in high school, but it, man, it showed up like a freight train. It hasn't left for 20 years, 15 years. How long ago was that today? If we look back, I was just late seventeen, so that'd be fifteen years. Fifteen years ago. Are you looking exactly back? Are you glad ago. you took that trip and that oh. time away? Oh my gosh, my mom was so amazing. I mean, I could just go into so many details about my family and my parents. They were they were fantastic. My mom was such a trooper, and uh, she always knew how to take care of the people around her so that they could also help and, and do the same for her. I spent a lot of time taking care of her, but she never stopped taking care of me. And, that time let me gear up for the next. It was an eight-year process with remission of 11 times, multiple surgeries, travels all over the world. It was extremely complicated. Mm. Um, uh, but I was ready to go. I got back from that trip, and we rocked and rolled for eight years. And I had a great, a great, you know, eight-year process with her. Unbelievably deep. We're going to take a short break. But when we get back, Micah's first album has been released right at the time of his mother's passing. Stay with us to find out how these two events closed one chapter of his life and began the next. I'm Rod Gowney, and you're listening to Fear is a Liar from Gowney Media. How did music and songwriting help you through that process throughout those eight years and going forward? Yeah, I mean, it was everything. It helped me, again, back to words, it helped me put words, exact words, to a sensation uh, and correlate to. Honestly, the feeling of music didn't hit me and impact me until about three years ago. Mm. I was very much a word worm first, and I didn't realize I let lyrics run the show. Now the music and them, I feel like, are much more cohesive. Um, so I, I, it was, I went right to my guitar. I picked up my guitar. I spent tons of time on it, and I wrote. And so songwriting was an exact outlet for me to put something that I was feeling not sure of what was going on down on paper. And when I look back and listen to that album, um, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful stamp in time where I look at like, oh, man, that was a young man going through some real loss. Hmm. Um, yeah, of course. And it helped me see that. So what are the ways did you find comfort outside of music and, and songwriting? Yeah, I was a very active person, so I found surfing. So wherever we travel, a lot of times there was surf. Uh, so I'm a big surfer. I love the ocean. Um, but then honestly, it was guitar. I mean, it was guitar, lyrical writing, and surfing. And I was traveling with my my mom, and I was a hermit. I'll tell you, my guilty pleasure has and will always be video games. Okay. <laughs> it's like that helped. Uh, it's like House of Cards when you know yeah. Frank goes. And maybe a bad comparison, but Frank goes and plays games, and I, and man, it just softens it softens things for me. Uh-huh. And, uh, it's like my TV, so I can go play video games for a second. But most of the time, it was healthy activity, going surfing, being outside, uh, working out, exercise. Okay. So so this then transitioned into you deciding to, to produce and create and release your first album. Yes. It took about three years, which is incredibly <laughs> long. And yeah. I'm sure there was some real pain points there. Yeah, so, okay. so just uh, tell me how it kind of came together when you decided you're going to do it and then all the challenges along the way. Sure. I decided at 23, 22, didn't get done until late 25, 26. Um, 
I, I try to do it myself uh, all everything. The way. Yeah, which is which is who I am and what I am and, and what I've built. And by 33, 10 years later, it's the ship's working. <laughs> but it took a bit. So what I what I wish I would have done is maybe lean on some other people. But man, it was just one one fear concerned brought by an application that led into another. I mean, it was like, how am I going to do this? Who's going to play it? Mm. Do I use a professional? Do I use an amateur? Then we go to the studio. I'd be so scared. Time, money, energy, and then it wouldn't work or it would go. And then it's like, well, great, let me use the pro, but there wasn't heart in it, or I didn't think there was heart in it. I see things different now. Um, and then I wasn't building the relationships around my team to let them grow as artists. And so, man, it was just, it was one concern one layer of fear every time that it wasn't going to work out in the studio. And not to get into the whole baggage of releasing, which we'll get into a bit, but actually getting a product done and having to go, you know, so many of the quotes are real. Uh, great art is never finished. It's only abandoned. Uh, uh, so it was it was just one thing after another, just three years full of every producer and every studio in the world going, this kid, I, I've had enough. Get out. <laughs> but not really. They all cared about me. And they were all like, but I was just ripping my face through the through the dirt. And, you know, maybe I should have let people help me more. Uh, but at the same time, they all knew what I was doing. And it was similar to what they were doing. And that's trying to really build a career around it. Were there times where you wanted to give up or did give up and then pick it up again over that three-year process and any examples that you can bring to life? Sure. Uh, I'll tell you, I never wanted to give it up, uh, but it didn't, but it, it still felt pretty rough at times. It, it felt hopeless. Let's say that, right? Like it felt hopeless, uh, but I never wanted to give it up. I knew what I was going to do. So uh, I just took those thoughts of, uh, hopelessness or concern, uh, and I directed it. And I, my method has usually been: I'm not too avoidant, so I, I, which is one of my tools to help keep me on track. So I'd figure out what I was afraid of, I'd go do it, and if it failed miserably, I'd do it again in a different way. Mm. Did, was it folks you leaned on at the time, or were there other sort of guidance factors that came into play to help you get that self awareness? drill down and focus in on it and then address it? For sure. Uh, Tim Dolbear was the studio that I and producer I worked with. I worked with a number of other people, but <clears throat> he's the one I decided was uh, going to go. And he was very much a mentor for me and really, really helped me through a lot of it. And like any good parent or teacher, let me fall on my face uh, and kind of learn things, but also help pick me back up over and over. So uh, he was a really wonderful mentor during that time. I could go down a long list of all the other people, everyone I was playing with, you know, David Robinson, Jim Davis, Dave Love, just so many artists and people that were around me that just kind of let me do the same as well. Uh, so a lot of learning, uh, a lot of love, a ton of fear, a ton of failure. <laughs> and uh, uh, but ultimately just continually drove and said, decided, hey, here we are. Let's let's put the seal on this and let's go on to the next project. Are there one or two major challenges either midway through or closer to the end that you can point out that were just the hardest? Yeah, uh, I think I think for me, um, well, right when that happened, my mom was passing. So during the time right before release, literally like on release date, I was going to release. So the album is titled Seven Years, Six Months Late. So my mom is a little bit emotional, I guess. Uh, she never got to hear the finished product, which I guess I have remorse to probably forever, and that's okay. But I know she appreciated it, and she heard she heard everything up until that spot. And so not the finished, quote-unquote, yeah. uh, which I don't even know if that's a real statement. But I guess when you stamp it and you finish it and it's out. Um, 
So that was a really big challenge, right? While that was happening, uh, my mom was passing and the final stage was upon it. Um, and then the other was kind of a compound uh, amount of issues and problems uh, based around what I was saying, that I decided to produce my own album as well as play on it, uh, which now I guess I can do. But even now I bring in other, all my producers come in and they help me produce myself as an artist. Um, so those were the two, trying to be my own producer um, and my mom's health failing right towards the end and me not being able to wrap it up. Um, yeah. Would you say that that major challenge that you faced with your mom on her way out is what motivated you to actually complete and release it? Absolutely. Mm. I think it, and there's, there's no way around a catalyst, huge catalyst. Mm. It was just like a, a signifier that, uh, okay, we're done. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I kept dragging. Right, I, and I imagine that that played a, a role in how long it took. Sure. In addition to many of the other challenges, I'm sure you used. Most of it, though, I would have to put into me being in my head and learning the business, mm. learning the industry, which I was doing. I was paying to play, I guess you could say, right? Yeah, yeah sure. I was putting my money forward and my time and energy forward to figure out how does this work. Mm. Let me mess up four thousand times so I don't have to do those again. Right, right. Everyone doesn't look at it that way. A lot of people give up. A lot of people in the beginning, in the middle, towards the end even, will just let go, right? Mm. Uh, but you didn't. Yeah. Well. You said making an album was more about growth and opening doors than finality. Mm -hmm. Could you elaborate on that and just give some examples personally that you went through? Yeah, sure. I think it's a capsule like anything else. And I'll go back. Great art is never finished, only abandoned. Any art is never finished, only abandoned. I don't care what scale it's at. Um and so I think it's all about letting go. And I think it's about like, like David Byrne has so many great quotes and David Bowie has a great one to keep your toes just off the sand. Don't be too far out as you'd be swimming randomly, but you should never be comfortable. So every time you finish something, it's just a chapter and you take all those things and you move it forward to the next one. Otherwise, I guess you'd release one book and be done or you'd release one album and be done. So that's a hard thing too, as a, as a person and a human, we have so many of these things that are weirdly frustrating and it maybe shouldn't be that way but it's not about finishing it's it's really about making creating and going forward yeah change so what was it like uh, a few weeks or a few months after the release what sort of traction did you get if any and yeah and where did it lead yeah i i ended up getting more traction than i thought without really doing much behind it at all it was I, the work i guess i guess uh it spoke to certain people uh i look back at it and i sure do go wow authentic i mean it's just a boy in a time, you know, going through something. And it, it is it is pretty raw in a certain way. And so there's a lot of that that I connect to. And I had some people that were really like, you know, we love this. So I got access to uh, some songwriters festivals. I got to open for a number of very good song, big time songwriters. Uh, Dean Dillon, uh, Chuck Cannon, Laurie McKenna, uh, Alan Shamblin. Uh, I got to play kind of pretty much right next to Willie Nelson. Um, a number of other people. So I, I had a good little section of traction and I had a lot of people that were pretty frustrated by the last five years because I always knew what I was born to do. And what I want to do is is produce and do a bigger process and have full freedom around my art. And that took a while. So I kind of pocketed stuff. I kind of went on the back burner and I've played a lot of shows in and around Austin. But uh, I had a lot, of, a lot of support right off the bat and they've all been frustrated that I didn't release the album that I have now coming up, uh, which I hope they're excited about um, in the near future that maybe took longer for them than they would have wanted, but I was building something. So Great. So that's a great segue. So your next EP is titled Grounded. Uh, could you explain kind of the meaning behind that and where does it stand now? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I started right after, right after I finished my old album. Oh, right okay. Right in, the back. in fact, I canned two albums 
uh, that I just was going through the process because I was at that point that I had started opening my studio. I was starting to really, really get into my own production. Uh, so I wasn't going to other studios. I was doing everything myself. And that opened up just a huge can of worms. We'll be back with Micah shortly, where he shares how he took the leap into making music full time and the moment he thought he couldn't handle it anymore. Stay with us. I'm Ron Gowney, and you're listening to Fear is a Liar from Gowney Media. So you decide to not only do your next album, but you also decide to open up your own studio and take an entrepreneurial venture into the mix. Yes. On top of all you learned the last time around. Yes. And then I believe at some point you also started teaching music lessons. Yes. Mainly guitar is my understanding. I do a lot of vocal production. I do songwriting. Uh, I'll teach a little ukulele, but mostly guitar, guitar centric. But I will, all of my students, I help teach them independence. So all of them have to go get DAWs, digital audio workstations and help start recording at home. Gotcha. So what year was that approximately? Oh, that would have been 20, I'd have been 20, 26, right after my mom passed. So that would have been eight years ago. So you, so so you decided to start working on your new album Yep. and you decide you're going to open up a studio. Yep. Right. And then you also started teaching lessons at that time as well. I took on students at the same time and I took on two artists. So I took on two artists to produce their albums. (laughs) I took on three students to teach. Um, and I started working on my own album, uh, yeah. What inspired you to take all that on? I mean, that's just... I didn't even think about it then. I think I think at the moment, uh, and at that time too, I was working part-time uh, in real estate. So I was like juggling the thing. Yeah. Of course you were. <laughs> of course. And then you were bartending somewhere right. on Sundays, no, it was right? Just, it was just real estate and those things. <laughs> um, I had my real estate broker's license, which honestly I got the whole time because I knew they were scalable industries. I knew that I could drop real estate and pick music up. So I dropped real estate back to 40% and I picked music up. Um, I didn't, I don't think I even looked at it. I just said, we're going to, we're doing this. This is happening. Uh, and these are all the pieces and the, and the tools that I need to do. I, I'm pretty open to, hey, let's try this. Let's try this and figure it out. And then if I'm like, okay, that doesn't fit my goal, my mission statement, uh, or doesn't provide some sort of income, then okay, this doesn't work. Okay. So obviously putting all that on your plate, and we haven't even mentioned your personal life. Not sure, were you with a partner at the time or were you? At that point, I had disconnected from my old relationship. My mom had moved on and I was definitely in no man's land for like three years. But I I was connecting in at that time to my, my partner now, who's my life partner. She's amazing. Um, so at that point, no, I was kind of like, yeah, just hands off doing that, doing work. Gotcha. So how did you handle, how'd you balance, right? I mean, you, you, you seem like you just kept signing up for new big roles to take <laughs> I, I on so, and you yeah. just kept going for it, but there, there's always burnout. There's <laughs> yeah. always, this is too much and I know it's too much, but I'm going to yeah. keep doing it until something happens. Yeah. So were there, were there moments that you remember where you were just like, I can't handle it anymore. Oh, that, absolutely. Can you give some examples? Oh my gosh. I had some, there was some other like health things that happened for people close to me that I won't dive into, uh, but extremely jarring as much as my mom's cancer as well. So that started taking up uh, time on my plate that I did not see coming. I did not expect. Also extremely deepening and man, riddled with another layer of fear that I didn't think I'd have to process. Um, so uh, when all of those hit, I definitely, I melted down. Uh, I guess that time though, I inverted. I went, exa- I went, I went exactly opposite. I reconnected with all my friends. I became very social. I dropped real estate. That was when I went full time, which was horrifying. 
Uh, and I was super scared. Didn't think about that till now, really. Uh, and I just went full bore. I, I shifted over to music full time. I, I picked up a bunch more shows. Um, I picked up a couple more students and I was working on my albums. Uh, and I went into music. So this time, I, I think, well, the first time was necessary. I needed to learn an instrument and that causes a little bit of isolation. Um, so I isolated the first one and the second go, I, I pushed into business. So what, when, where and how was that tipping point, right? Because I don't imagine you took on all these responsibilities. You had all these personal issues going on with your family that obviously put a lot of stress on you and just mm -hmm. brought in negative energy, right? Mm -hmm. Where was that tipping point where you decided to make that shift and, and throw yourself into being more social, reconnecting with everyone so that there was a change in perspective? Like, where was that? Sure. Yeah. 27. I would be, I would have been 26, 27. So my mom passed at late 25. Uh, so 26 was a little bit of a morning state. I tore my ACL. Uh, so I, I like right after my mom passed. So I ended up, I couldn't move. Uh, so I went into my house. So I just played music. I just recorded the guitar. Um, so right then, 26, 27, uh, I was really scared. I remember I was, man, it's easy looking back in 2020. The vision seems a lot more clear. I guess I was really scared and I knew that I was, supposed to be in music but i hadn't built up enough to make it you know financially plausible at all i mean ball game it was like you know barely survive money uh but i thought to myself hey if i really do it i'll be okay you know if i if i've got this and i'm not trying that hard and i'm and i'm double you know doubling down on real estate and other stuff what if i got rid of that i connected in with all my old friends i spent a lot of time with everybody i love and i really went for it and i did uh, i remember feeling like oh my gosh the footing doesn't feel so solid right now. Um, I also, at that point, had transitioned over to my partner now, who I have, Rachel, who's amazing. Um, and so that probably played a big role for me, feeling like, hey, I do have some solid footing. Uh, and you can go down the list of the people that loved me and were around me and were supportive. So yeah, I just went. So tell me about the, the, the setting up of the studio initially. What were the major challenges? When did it happen? When did it actually hit? Like oh, the opening of your studio, did you have a team? Did you have one to two key folks? Was it just you? And uh, where it is now in comparison to back then? Yeah, no, the studio is doing great today. Uh, it's fully functioning. I have like a schedule. And what's the name it's of it? Amazing, Mister Studios, Mister Recording Studios. in Austin, in Austin, Texas. You can look a lot of stuff up right now is under MicahWagner.com because it's really I'm the producer and I'm running it. So a lot of stuff is running through me as a producer right now. But it's Mister Recording Studios. Um, it feels really nice to say that I have a schedule. Uh, as an artist and a musician, everyone's like, what, you do things at 7 a.m.? I'm like, yeah, I'm really creative at 7 I'm not, I'm not a good night owl. Uh, so we're, we're doing great right now. We're recording consistently every week. I have multiple artists and multiple projects that we'll be releasing soon, uh, which brings excitement and different layers of fear, both for myself and for those artists, uh, but mostly excitement. We're kind of passive to music, but music is actively, actively manipulating our emotions constantly throughout the day. That's Michael Wagner. He's actively producing tracks for five artists expected to launch singles, EPs, and full albums in the next six to eight months. To follow along and connect with any of these releases or artists, you can check out his website, michaelwagner.com, or follow him on Instagram and Facebook. A quick shout out to Simon, Aaron, and Zane who helped me produce the show. Thank you. To my daughter, Sabrine, and our future Ghanis. I hope you hear this one day and it provides some value on your journey. For our audience, if the show provided a positive takeaway, please subscribe and share with others in your network. Thanks for tuning in to Fear is a Liar. 
where we share how our guests embrace all the fears related to risk, self-doubt, failure, unknowns, what didn't work, and how they dealt with it. Michael Wagner and Ron Gani. I'm out.